I had a strange dream the other night. It was 2003 all over again. I was about to start a blog called India Uncut, as I actually did that year. Only in my dream, I needed a license to start my blog. So I appeared in front of a government committee, which was going to interview me to check my eligibility. Was I fit to blog? I was managing editor of Cricket Info in those days, even in my dream. But the committee just would not believe I was a journalist. Are you a government-approved journalist? One of them thundered. Where is your license? What license? I said. Why license? Why should I take your approval? He replied, Because I am your my bab. I will decide what you read. I will decide what you write. I will decide what you eat and drink. I am your ruler. You are my subject. No, no, no! I protested. It's not supposed to be like this. The government is supposed to serve the people, not the other way around. I should be regulating you chaps, not the other way around. He turned to one of his seven-foot security guards and said, "Ha ha ha ha! This fool is rambling. Take him away and lock him up. And when he wakes up, feed him only sugar." Fine, I said. Lock me up now. But one day I will fight back with a podcast, and we will all wake up from this bad dream. Welcome to the Seen and the Unseen, our weekly podcast on economics, politics, and behavioral science. Please welcome your host, Amit Varma. Welcome to the Seen and the Unseen. I'm recording this episode on Friday, May 11th, and yesterday on May 10th, I was part of a panel discussion on online content regulation that was organized by Media Nama and hosted by my friend Nikhil Pawar. Nikhil cares deeply about this issue, but he chose to play devil's advocate on the panel and ask some piercing questions to opponents of content regulation, like me, which shows how rigorously he's thought through this subject. So here he is, and here I am. Welcome to the show, Nikhil. Thanks, Amit. Glad to be back on the show. We've had a couple of fun discussions, so looking forward to another one. In fact, I have a feeling that uh, Modi ji and Smriti Irani ji listened to our last show, which we did on the future of the internet, <laughs> and they thought, "Okay, here is a problem. We will offer a solution," and therefore they offered to regulate us for our own good, which is what yesterday's panel discussion was uh, about. Yeah. Uh, what do you feel about that? Well, you know, I think it's a tricky situation for any government to be in because their very existence is challenged by these subversive ideas such as free speech uh, and uh, people having a voice of their own and uh, people. So, you know, like you, I started Media Nama with no license required. It took me two weeks at that point in time, and most of that was spent um, in my. Attempts at designing a site uh, <laughs> before we launched because a domain name just cost five hundred bucks, hosting with an automated WordPress setup cost five hundred bucks, and therefore that gives everyone the opportunity and the right to communicate and uh, to anyone who wants to read them. So we find our own audience in that sense, right? You found yours, I found mine, and uh, that freedom is what I deeply cherish. We're reaching a situation now where, as more and more people come online. There is fear about what if those people had their own voice and other people and you know millions of others could hear what they have to say, and we've seen this particularly in India. If you think about it, when it comes to stand-up comedy, just like in the U.S., stand-up comedy has been you know a means of dissemination of news and 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 also liberal thought. I think that's what's happened in India as well. Because let's face it, us journalists are incredibly boring, and stand-up comedians have a better way of getting that message across. 
so i don't think it's just stand up comedy but you know the ability for pe- of people to let's say put the truth out there um is something which scares uh those who want to control that messaging and uh, we've seen that happening globally and it's interesting uh, you mentioned that you know when i started my blog when you started media nama we were just free to sort of start it without having to worry about a license or regulation or whatever and that was kind of by default because this was a new technology the government's uh, philosophy always has been to treat its people as a subjects and regulate everything every action that you possibly can and uh, because no one saw them they didn't see the internet coming they didn't see this revolution which puts the tools of publishing in the hands of users coming that to begin with it wasn't regulated the way traditional media is heavily regulated free speech in any case is uh, uh, heavily uh, policed and we were just lucky that this was new technology and by the time they figured out we'd already started and things had got gathered their own momentum but yeah. now they're making a full loss right just to give some context about how old both of us are <laughs> uh, if you go back to 2006 there was this instance where all blogs in the country were blocked right there was an order for blocking all wordpress dot com sites all uh blogspot. blogspot type pad and that was an order that the government issued for blocking certain blogs which they were worried about and the isps did not have any means of blocking a particular sub domain of a domain and therefore they blocked everything and i think a bunch of us actually led that effort in fighting back so that is my first sort of um, interface with some kind of activism for free speech uh, even before that started uh, yeah yeah i i i remember journalism. fighting vigorously because uh, my blog at that time india uncut before it shifted to its own domain indiauncut.com was an indiauncut.blogspot.com yeah. so that got blocked as well and what really happened was they wanted to block some random something something.blogspot.com and they blocked all of blogspot and we yeah. feedback and that kind of got sorted out but one of the things we realized at that time if you remember is uh, and the government has that power to this day is that they can ask is they can issue orders to isps to block any site and there is no recourse you cannot appeal you know so if someone goes to india uncut which of course isn't active i just archive my stuff there now but back in the days when i was blogging and looks at the name and says india uncut ye zarur pawn site hai isko block karo then i have no recourse i can't uh, uh, fight back and and that kind of remains the case to this day where as 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 citizens or like you know 69a of the it act and we'll talk about the it act i'm i'm going to ask you uh, about that um has that with the government can block any website and there's no recourse Uh, well i i wrote a post on this a few years ago which was a simple like human kind of a point if you're saying i don't know because what happens is when sites get blocked because of the nature of the work that we do at media nama lots of people ping us to check you know is this blocked are you able to access this and then so we go through this entire exercise of asking on social media can you tell us if you're able to access this site and respond with details of your city and your isp and so we have this crazy situation where you know 20% of the people or sometimes 40% of the people are saying yes it's blocked and the rest are saying that it's not blocked and so i don't know whether a site is blocked i don't know why it's been blocked i don't know who asked for it to be blocked uh, i don't know how long it's going to be blocked for uh, when is the block going to be removed and so you know one of the things that we expect and we should demand of our government is transparency if there is speech being curtailed and if there are legitimate reasons for it whether if it's a court order whether if it's you know due to some national security issue uh if my site gets blocked 
don't i have the right to know and so unfortunately no one's challenged this uh, secret blocking uh, in court yet but there is really no disclosure so therefore we can't hold the government to account whereas in for example in kuwait if a site gets blocked there is a page that pops up which indicates why that the page has been blocked on order from so and so and it gives an email address to contact uh, for more information hypothetically for also the block to be removed i remember during before the 66a case i remember talking to a particular site called mobango so the shadi.com guys had bought mobango which was uh, an app store uh, similar to the google play store and it was blocked in india and they didn't know why it's been blocked they didn't know who to contact so they went running around trying to figure out and for 6 months it was blocked and they didn't know what to do and this is a company with deep coffers so if they face this no which is what i was thinking that you know you and i can do you know how many sites are blocked in india no tell me neither do i nobody knows yeah. <laughs> and that's the point right so how do we hold our governments to account if there is no transparency from them no and here's the thing you and i can speak out about it because we are incredibly privileged in the sense that we have the platforms we can organize outrage uh, we might have the resource we, we might be able to put together the resources to even fight legally but the common citizen doesn't have all of these things so if if somebody starts a blog and it's blocked there's literally nothing he can do he's up, up against a wall he can't so, even express himself on this matter so around those days there was um an attack from anonymous india which was we don't know who they are some anonymous bunch of hackers that hacked into a mobile operators uh, logs and found a list of uh blog posts and blogs that had been blocked uh, by the isp itself and they were essentially critical of the parent company of that isp wow so there was private censorship that was going on but nobody knew about it and so here's the thing right quite often if a page is blocked you go and you get a 404 error saying that this page is not accessible right how do you know whether it's a technical issue or it is actually a block right uh, sometimes you get a standard response saying this website has been blocked on order from department of telecommunications mm. why has a department of telecommunications asked for it to be blocked we don't know i think the point here is that you know why we having this discussion about online content regulation is because the ministry of inb has set up a committee to frame rules for regulating the internet and what they're looking at they started off with regulating news which is when there was this circular around fake news and therefore regulating both online and 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 traditional media journalists and you know the with the threat was that their accreditation would be removed um among other things if they were found to be dealing in fake news and that was pulled after there was a massive pushback from the traditional media journalists as well as online and then we found that there is a new committee that's been formed specifically for regulating online the difference between that first fake news circular and this online committee is that the online committee was looking at both news and entertainment and and so uh, it's very different and if you think about it on the internet we don't know what is news we don't know what is entertainment that definitional issue exists entertainment can deliver news and let's face it most of the news in india is entertainment or couched in entertainment and news channels run i don't know the 
shows on what cobras giving birth to human babies i don't know what kind of stuff they put on some of the tv channels TV i mean I, I i would take tanmay bhat over arnab any day for both news and entertainment so yeah yeah without <laughs> doubt um, I, uh, i don't i mean no but you does know like, arnab do news i'm not so sure honest, but, <laughs> yeah but good point uh, maybe no, i'm confused about it like yesterday on the panel one of my fellow panelists during the audience discussion geeta sishu hmm. raised a interesting point about news and entertainment and uh, how they uh, are defined differently and how uh, you know news provides a public service and whether entertainment uh, yeah and my point was that entertainment provides a very very important uh, yeah my point was public service uh, agreed but my point was different my point was that uh, we if if we start thinking about the utilitarian lines that hey news provides a public service entertainment is time pass therefore one is more noble than the other we are falling into their trap and we are letting them define the uh, how the discussion proceeds instead the way i look at it is instead of looking at the utilitarian line look at first principles principles yeah, yeah. say that all free expression should be uh, protected whether it's news or uh, entertainment or whatever however you categorize it it doesn't matter hmm. that all free expression should be protected none should be regulated i mean so i have a question for you right are you a free speech absolutist i am a free speech absolutist then what what are your views on incitement to violence incitement to violence uh, to stop to to punish or stop incitement to violence is not an infringement of free speech if it's direct violence like for example um, i think oliver wendell holmes defined it as clear and present danger so if you're addressing a crowd and you tell them go and burn down that mosque yeah. then that is incitement to violence and it should absolutely be stopped yeah, but okay. then we're but, in agreement here. yeah huh. but if somebody is uh, uh, telling a crowd that uh, hey uh, you know muslims don't belong here mm. now i find that view utterly repulsive yeah but i would support uh, the person saying that because uh, i don't think those judgment calls on what people say or should not say should be made on the based on the personal preferences of people like myself or anyone else yeah and if there is incitement to violence and this clear and present danger in the words of the us supreme court then mm-hmm. uh, you know i think that's a, so i used to come at this a little differently mm. uh because i was an absolutist when it came to free speech and at the point of view that you've taken about incitement to violence also indicates that you're not an absolutist there are that's a reasonable restriction to have on free no, speech no i i i i i disagree because i think that uh, incitement to violence would be wrong because you're uh, being an accessory to a crime Hmm. Uh, and it would be wrong on those grounds okay. you don't need to clamp down on free speech or have separate laws for free speech that's what i mean hmm. i don't think you need to have any law for free speech hmm. and that if someone incites violence that is already taken care of uh, uh, under whatever laws stop you from for example whatever the incitement is like if hmm. someone is telling you go and riot there are laws against riots and violence yeah absolutely those laws no. take care of so it. therefore my position at one point in hmm. time was why should my right to free speech be curtailed by the state's inability to maintain law and order right right because mm-hmm. it is their job to maintain law and order it and uh, so therefore if you have a society where people are afraid to commit violence because they are afraid of the strong arm of the law holding them to account then no matter what speech leads to that violence um, people would still be afraid to be violent from right. that perspective I, now i know that's a utopian way of looking mm-hmm. at it and things don't quite work like that and so therefore i do believe so i'm no longer an absolutist from that perspective but i do believe that 
committing a crime or inciting a crime from that perspective okay. is, is so we are actually on the same page except that you are saying you're not an absolutist and i'm insisting that this is absolutism because i'm saying no law against free speech yeah uh, incitements are taken care of under other laws which under, deal with other, those so in fact this things. is the same position which the supreme court took in the 66a judgment where mm-hmm. they said that advocacy is an important part of free speech uh, and i think they also i'm not quite sure but i think they also took into account the fact that the right to offend is an important part of free speech the un special rapporteur on free speech the last one who's frank leroux also included that in his report on on free speech and also human rights uh, and the internet so the supreme court of india said that incitement to violence is is problematic and should be stopped but uh, you know 66a had these terms like disparaging speech and annoying speech um which are vague and can be which are vague right? and are meant to be misused and they those were struck down so you know uh, while i think there uh, there is the internet has its problems when it comes to uh, you know a bunch of issues with, uh, when it comes to hate speech when it comes to death threats uh, rape threats when uh, you have uh, instances of you know again incitement uh, to violence there are issues of fake news and misinformation there are issues of uh, filter bubbles and polarization uh, there is a potential for foreign state actors to get involved and change the course of a democracy through you know very selective targeting of messaging uh, these are all what uh, russia did in the us elections basically i i don't think it was just the us elections because like someone mentioned yesterday as well it may have also been in uh, a part of the scottish right. referendum it would yeah. have i think um, even with brexit it's because the us is treating this as a direct threat on its democracy that the rest of the world is now taking it a lot more seriously but who is to say that these same tools have not been used in other contexts in the past that may not have received this kind of visibility what it has done is that it has made states aware of the implications of this all of these things happening and therefore they want to develop systems of control over speech uh, some way of regulating because the other thing that came through in the 66a judgment was and i i disagree with this idea uh, it came from the supreme court of india that they believe that the internet is a new medium and a new technology and therefore there need to be a new set of laws to govern the internet whereas uh, my take on this is that if laws are built on principles and the same principles should apply irrespective of medium uh, where the internet is different from other media is the disproportionate amount of scale that it has and the kind of interactivity and participation that doesn't that lends itself to lack of control and lends itself to more freedom and therefore the state often feels powerless when it comes to dealing with mass movements and mass uh, organizing that happens via the internet and let's face it like i've been involved in instances where we have arg- used the internet to organize and and build campaigns for freedoms but uh, the same tools and the same methodology uh, has also been used for example by isis to bring people uh, over to fight in the middle east so you know um, we're dealing with very complex we're dealing with a very complex problem and complex fears as well yeah. you know and very real fears because uh, people could die uh, or governments could fall yeah. uh, through all of this and so there's at one level there is uh, you know when a state feels powerless the response is to 
do whatever possible to ensure that it gets that power back because it also has a responsibility to ensure the unity and integrity of that nation that's a mandate that we the people have given the state uh, from that perspective you know it's i mean i've had this crazy conversation with someone uh, with with uh, with actually the head of e residency for estonia where, where we discussed this idea of um, and it's his idea of uh, a transient citizenry you should be able to very freely and very easily move in and out of being a citizen of a country uh, and you should move to the state that serves you the best and that leads to competitive states being competitive you know we talk about competitive federalism within countries but uh, there is also this competitiveness between countries at a global level to retain talent i mean the us has one because it has had greater freedoms in the past in the same way so uh, so i don't know how we got to this yeah, yeah. no but that's uh, but, you, you know that, that that sounds utopian and quite beautiful and just speaking of people voting with their feet and going to states which they yeah. feel serve them better yeah. it's notable that the modi government is now planning to put an exit tax on billion, billionaires who want to leave the country because apparently since 2014 an extremely high percentage of really rich people have left the country i wonder which, why they would want to do that acche dena here but which kind of indicates that uh, you know that those who have the money and can afford to leave uh, are by and large leaving you know including for example one of the hiranandanis who built mm-hmm. powai you know mm-hmm. yahan powai bana liya acha banaya nikal gaya nikal par i think cyprus gaya mm-hmm. uh, but anyway that this is a digression like you said no no but i'm just saying that uh, if you think about so how does this work right do you is your approach as a state to retaining your best people is it to try and prevent them from leaving or controlling the messaging that they're getting or is it to create an environment in which they would like to stay absolutely the latter uh, there should be no question if you like if uh, there are many things which uh, mr modi could have done to bring acche din and uh, these people would not have left had those happened but you know i don't want to make this about uh, modi or smriti irani or this present government yeah. uh, you know there no, no, are, we had we had our problems with couple civil wanting yeah. pre censorship right yeah. 66a i mean i think i think doing. one of the fundamental things that people are missing during the current debates is that it is not just this government you're fighting it is government overreach and power in general that governments always tend to overreach and uh, on that note i want to take you back to the it act and 66a and the fights that happened there hmm. because as we discussed when the internet first came like the it sector itself one reason the it sector did well hmm. uh, the field was so new that there wasn't regulation in that much stifling regulation in place as there is in other sectors but the government soon went about uh, amending that changing that so and one of the ways they attempted to do that and by the way the rationale that you mentioned for we need to regulate the internet because it's a new technology large reach etc has essentially been used through the ages for every new technology like for example our sensor board exists because in the early 60s i think it was when that court case happened the government basically argued that uh, look cinema has a much wider reach than books and therefore we need to censor it and treat it in ways different from books and the same argument was made uh, when the gutenberg uh, press was invented about books where they said that earlier you know books would just uh, go by hand and people would copy it but uh, now it's being printed and reaching wide dissemination and we need to control that and so like you correctly said i mean this fear on the part of governments is uh, natural because hey they want to protect their power and all of these um, new technologies empower them a little bit of slack in terms of saying that they also want to protect citizens 
and there are people who are getting hurt who are getting abused um and there is a real fear that you know if there is any kind of incitement to violence using online media there is a problem that the governments have to face i mean if you talk to police officers and district collectors you will realize that so their job is to maintain law and order in right. that area they need to save lives and their logic is that if i if by shutting down the internet in this area if i'm able to save one life hmm. how do you put a value on that sometimes the only tool you have is a blunt tool so i understand that no also uh, because let's say in terms of messaging uh, and content on the internet it's very difficult to monitor where it came from who published it exactly. who posted it who do they hold to account hmm. and in that case you know they can't treat everything like a natural disaster uh, although quite often when mobs go on rampages they treat it like a natural disaster saying no one's it accountable it was an act of nature hmm. in the same way uh, you know like when a message starts spreading uh, if if it's a fake message of let's say uh, between one religion someone raping and uh, someone getting raped because of a religious identity as a revenge of some sort right it's going to in, uh, incite communal passions within those communities and under those circumstances the district magistrates they don't know what to do uh, they have to sp- prevent the spread of those messages this is one of the reasons why we've had the highest number of internet shutdowns uh, in the world in india right. like 70 last year i think there've been over 40 already this year um including i think someone mentioned yesterday that just day before yesterday there were three shutdowns mm. uh, some of them are for nonsensical reasons there was one instance where to prevent people cheating in in exams they shut down the internet somewhere in gujarat and you know there are laws in place or rules in place the uh, government doesn't necessarily uh, apply them in a manner which is in line with their own guidelines and a lot of these things get done post facto the first issue mm-hmm. is to shut it down i think state capacity being limited the first impulse whenever violence is breaking out is pehle to internet band karo mm-hmm. which which is a very good point you make and you're playing devil's advocate with great success again so mm-hmm. i'll turn this back on you mm-hmm. and say that why is government regulation not the answer then <laughs> well the point is that the internet is already regulated exactly uh, there is there is a law for takedown uh, which is through a court process Uh, called section 79 where if you want some content let's say which has been used to defame you or which has put up false information about you you can go to court and get that content taken down um there is uh, section 69 which is secret government blocking where the government can ask an isp to block a particular site and that's going to go through a process within the government which is why the supreme court retained it and uh you know there are existing laws uh, regarding defamation and it's applicable online and offline uh, incitement to violence so there are already laws existing i personally and we go back to that earlier point that i don't think there need there's a need for a different law for so, this so let me ask you this i mean we are both on the same page that right? uh, we don't need all those laws but here's the thing Uh, all those IPC laws exist, 295A, 153A, and so on. The Sedition Law, uh, the IT Act exists right now. 69A exists. The government can block any website. Hmm. So, what is it trying to do further? What's the deal? Everything is already pretty much covered. With this committee, I have no idea why, why this is happening. I don't think anyone understands why this is being put into place. 
what is this a reaction to because like, is this a case of something is wrong maybe they heard a episode and here's a problem we must do something this is something so let's do it is, is it that classic uh, sort of uh, i i don't know and i you know i've spoken with a bunch of people nobody understands why mm. uh, the government is looking to do this it almost seems whimsical because they already have draconian power yeah so you know uh, they do and you know i i like i was joking yesterday that um, varun grover in his in his uh, in his comedy routines uses this uh, line called kabu kabutar ki barfi like you know the the king steps out and says ki aaj hum kabutar ki barfi khayenge and then no one knows what is it but everyone says yes it is great idea great idea great idea right so we don't know whether this is as whimsical as that <laughs> that they're trying to um, control uh, news and entertainment in a space where you can't distinguish between news and entertainment where you don't have jurisdictional control because i can start publishing out of somewhere in norway how will they even be able to stop like consumption? i said i don't know why we should make that distinction no no and this and on the internet these are all moving targets you right. block one site another one will crop up we did that with the blogs if you remember yeah, yeah. when the blogs were blocked all we did was at the end of the thing we added colon 8080 mm. and everyone was able to access the blogs there because were hacks but this was only the people who were savvy enough to know those uh, sort no, of no but uh, these things spread uh, mm. look every t- it, this is whatever happens on the internet it's like a hydra multi headed hydra things keep yeah, you cut one head off another one pops up this is not going to end it's always I mean, a moving target in a sense regulation is impossible but that is not the argument we want to make we want to make the argument in principle but let's let's go back to sort of the it act in 66a hmm. because that to me is illustrative not just in terms of how the government realizes that hey this is something we don't regulate adequately let's go ahead and try to do this hmm. but it's also illustrative of something that you've been part of in the past in other contexts which is a civil society fight back against it both in terms of um, a sort of media outrage and also in a legal sense so can you tell me a little bit more about that so what happened with 66a was that there were terms that came in from the government in in the 66a law which were about speech that is annoying and disparaging and very vague terms which can be misinterpreted they got to say article 192 of the constitution which lays out reasonable restrictions is equally vague in terms of public order and decency and morality and all of those well this was even more vague i know yeah uh, and Same. so so because it didn't hold up to even article 192 <laughs> it, it was struck down by the supreme court because it was also being used arbitrarily so to, but uh, tell me a little bit about that process of getting it struck down in the political economy So I think what happened was we got a bit lucky in the sense and it's someone got hurt in the process so it's not right to use the phrase lucky here but essentially uh, two innocent girls one of whom put up an an update on Facebook when Bal Thakre passed away saying that why should there be a holiday every time a politician dies right now that was disrespectful but it was clearly not violative of of, of 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 article 192 and so therefore um i think a bunch of shivsena uh, people landed up at the police station and forced them to arrest these two girls one girl had put up that update the other had liked it <laughs> uh, and so uh, that was the shreya single case that this young lawyer from delhi you know who had some legal backing as well in terms of uh, great support uh, she went and filed a case uh, for de- getting this declared unconstitutional there were other cases also that had been filed and they got clubbed with this case so there were other it act cases on section 79 
सेक्शन uh, 69 एज वेल एंड अप अंटिल देन वी हैड बीन रेजिंग दीज इशूज बट अ लॉर ऑफ द इंस्टेंसेज ऑफ पीपल गेटिंग अरेस्टेड अंडर सिक्सटी सिक्स ए वर नॉट लाइक एज सम ऑफ इट वॉज रिलेटेड टू पोलिटिकल स्पीच सो देर वॉज अ कार्टूनस असीम त्रिवेदी ही वॉज अरेस्टेड बिकॉज ऑफ सम कार्टून्स अगेंस्ट अ पॉलिटिशन सो यू नो अंडर दोज दैट वॉज इन द क्लियर एंड इट आई थिंक द पीपल हु may not have been as convinced by that saying oh this is political speech and he's being uh, there were instances where someone was being disparaging to the national flag in, in cartoons and stuff like that there were there were issues there no i remember this was, i remember writing a column a decade ago about somebody arrested for insulting the flag and the anthem separate incidents hmm. uh under 295a so hmm. anyway that's i mean those laws all always existed and still do they do but i'm i'm just saying that this was as clear cut yeah. a case this saying was this was just wrong mm. right and so this so because there were all of these petitions filed and more people were became aware of this the way this law had been misused i think a lot of us got together and we started raising the issue that we had been raising for a while so the, the way change happens is that it you know i, I mean uh, marshall gans talks about this in terms of organizing is that there is uh, a story of you as in why does something matter to you then there's a story of us saying why does why should this matter to all of us and then there's a story of now as in why is this important now so quite often that i've seen with, uh, with for my sake and the sake of the listeners which book is this i don't remember the name of the book but marshall, marshall gans, gans. Uh, is is a professor at the howard kennedy school and he teaches organizing Uh, if you go to youtube you'll find a series of lectures from the resistance school which was brought out to teach liberal resistance wow, uh, on issues so i've watched a bunch of those episodes um and so marshall gans so the story of now is very important and i think most of us missed that so even with the netutiety campaign uh, which which i was a part of the team that ran it i've been raising this issue of netutiety for years right it took a really horrible tr hair paper that made it a clear and present danger for people to galvanize and start acting on it along with everything else that came together in the same way with 66a a lot of people had been raising these issues but this was the one case that did it right so there's always uh, a story of now that needs to kick in for uh, these cases to uh, for some some for change and to start is, is that story of now something that happens serendipitously or can something be framed to become the story of now it can so for so one is the creation of deadlines so saying that you know you need to act on this by this date uh and that's when this these changes will kick in so it depends it it uh, you have to keep uh you can create some sort of urgency but it's not easy because it'll always be questioned asked why now why is this important like story of us and story of you address why is this important to you and to all of us but the now is often out of our hands right so, so for example in aadhaar with the supreme court case there is a clear story of now that has that kicked in sometime around december which was created by the government enforcing linking deadlines for december 31st right so when we ran the speak for me campaign at that point in time that was a story of now kicking in saying here's the deadline mail your mp mail your mobile operator mail your bank saying you do not want this if it hadn't been for the deadline and they'd made it indefinite 
we wouldn't have had a story of now with that in the same way the supreme court case going on it's, so this is to galvanize people together uh, you need all of these three elements which is very interesting so an evil government boffin who wants to do something which they know is wrong and will attract resistance yeah. can then avoid putting in elements which can turn into a story of now well historically mm-hmm. tyranny has always creeped up on societies exactly, rather yeah. than uh, and you know so in some instances obviously there have been military coups etc but typically sustained long term sustained tyranny has crept up and you haven't realized that it's hit you because then they avoid giving people that moment right, right and exactly. we often quite often when it comes to attacks on freedoms and attacks on free speech in particular we tend to keep moving on to the next one and the next one and the next one and forgetting the ones that got left behind so sometimes it takes this one case and one instance which uh galvanizes a lot more people together uh to push back so and you know so here's here's a thing right i think this attempt to regulate online content i feel that it is just as worrying if not more than the net neutrality issue because uh, net neutrality was about the isps controlling what you can and cannot access and charging you differently for what you want to access this is looking at creating a framework for controlling your speech this should matter more to people so why there isn't as much of an outrage now uh, is something i don't quite understand if we saw for example there was this huge outrage about encryption uh, a few years ago where they were saying that all your whatsapp messages you have to store copies in plain text form it's a stupid policy that came out from the government immediate outrage immediate withdrawal right if you remember pawn ban huge outrage in a country as overtly moralistic as ours huge outrage against a ban on pawn enormous consumers of pawn had encouraged all of you to read this book called everybody lies by seth stevens david obits which just reveals not just the amount of pawn indians consume but the kind of pawn which kind of blew me away but sorry carry on <laughs> so so we had the attorney general of india going to the supreme court and saying we don't want to be in anyone's bedroom um and people and uh, this is not that kind of a government etc he said all of these things that uh, uh, we don't want to control what people watch then and now when there's this talk about regulating online content there is no reaction no and uh, you know you you spoke about creeping tyranny which is a really important point and i don't want to make a political point right now but uh, it's important to point out that yes what i say and many people say about narendra modi being the true heir of indira gandhi there's something to that but i think people make a mistake when they talk about him imposing another emergency he doesn't need to he doesn't need to actually declare an emergency he can bring uh, he can give himself the same kind of control in in a creeping sort of way well i think there's been a creeping increase in control or an attempt to increase control uh ever since 2008 like the attacks on bombay were used to bring in significantly uh regressive controls to changes in the it act which brought us section 69 which brought us section 79 which was later watered down by the supreme court which brought us 66a and you know even off and let's not forget that these are governments which argue for it it's not necessarily political parties right so you know you had the bjp criticizing 66a yeah. if you remember which is a point i make the no, government no, in power on, is always on. going to but the 66a was settled during the bjp regime and in court the government under the bjp was still arguing for 66a <laughs> 
right they um, let's not forget this is this same government that argued against a fundamental right to privacy in the same way that kapil sibal also argued for pre for for pre censorship and for protecting 66a my point is it doesn't matter who's in power governments will come and governments will go is the power that we allow governments to accumulate over us over time the problem is that not is incremental the problem is a state it's not a government or any particular party it is in the nature of the state to consolidate and increase power and it is imperative on citizens hmm. to uh, uh, you know uh, uh, keep fighting back constantly regardless of which uh, party is in power oh and this is funny uh, one of the things that's happened with this particular committee is that the ministry of information and broadcasting which has created this committee does does not have jurisdiction over the internet regulation so what's happened is that over the last 2 years rajavardhan singh rathore who's a minister of state for uh, information and broadcasting in a written response in parliament has said that it has no plans to regulate the internet and online content or um video on demand services because that is the jurisdiction of the ministry of electronics and information technology wow so you have a situation where after twice having said hey this is not our remit we shouldn't be doing this they've gone out and created a committee for doing exactly that so i'm not quite sure about how the government how the government functions how can they create a committee over an issue that they don't have jurisdiction i mean this is very funny governments often uh, you know parties contradict themselves given what, when you see what they say when they're not in power and when they are in power but here this is actually a minister they're, they're contradicting themselves while they're in power but the other the other problem and i want to get into this bit is this uh, entire idea of self regulation because we are already regulating what how we speak and what we say uh, because there is this fear of a clamping down from the government you saw that yesterday we had tanmay bhat talking about how comedians are discussing about how they will treat certain jokes so they might you know tell a joke to a select audience knowing that it will not be broadcast and they might not put that online or they might only do it in a wider audience in a show so you're already controlling where your message goes in fact my producer on the show abbas who's right in the studio right now is a stand up comic and you should see the kind of jokes he tells me in private he'd never dare to repeat them outside and and, and so therefore so i made him laugh <laughs> so well so so for me that's that's worrying you know so there is uh, there are like like when amazon first came to india in, in with with when amazon prime first came to india um, they had two versions of american gods one was the part that they promoted here which was censored and then there was another one where if you search for american cause you also saw something called international edition which was not censored angry indian goddesses was censored uh, by netflix and so you've you've had these situations where many of these platforms are self censoring because they're afraid of government pushback against them when they don't need to say that's a chilling effect it's like someone said in 75 during the emergency as well that the press is uh, crawling when they're asked to bend um, which is you know that kind of overreach no i think over here no one's even asked them to bend yet yeah they're, they're, it's right? preemptive and we know that the industries the professional content providers are already discussing a self regulation code which means 
that it's likely that we will uh, that they will have their own version of a censor board within each organization that's going to censor content according to what they agree with the industry agrees the norms for our country will be and i would go back and say that you know my right to get that content in an unadulterated uncensored form is just as important to me that's a right that i have in that sense right uh, that's um, a positive right you're defining not a negative right um uh, you know in the sense that i would say that if certain media houses choose to self regulate in that way hmm. i think that is fine it's up to them as long as no other media house or individual is coercively forced to conform to those rules so for example if uh, but what if they collectively do that and therefore um, but how see like i'm editor of a magazine pragati right yeah. now five other online magazines can come together and collectively decide to uh, have certain standards for themselves and bleep out certain things i don't care as long as they don't force me to do it no again and this is where uh, i think we had this discussion yesterday as well where i kind of disagree what's happening is that there is very little room being left for upstarts to come in uh, and for there to be a truly competitive market uh, when it comes to the aggregation of content because of market power which allows exclusivity uh, for that particular piece of content and you know this is what's happening to the internet so if you look at antitrust regulations uh, nobody this instance here's the thing in this instance any um, any online magazine say that joins a self regulation group like this uh, in any case has the intent to regulate itself and conform by the government guidelines so it doesn't make a difference my issue always comes where the coercion begins no no but i'm saying that whether it are, comes from the government it, or any other group i'm saying that in even when you took at private parties if you mm-hmm. look at the access to content and and the entities that control it it's a fairly limited set so there is cartelization in the censorship sure and, no, uh, no, and there's no. a there's, and therefore there isn't enough room left in the market for alternatives and the only other route is piracy yeah but here's the thing what i'm saying is that that cartelization uh, in a sense that cartelization of what approach you have towards news and regulation hmm. is there any way regardless of whether you formalize it with a self regulating body no, or you the, don't the decentralized nature of the internet uh, actually destroys that cartelization exactly. so, and that is and that's something which i'd mentioned but in, that can only be stopped with coercion coercion from whom I am saying cartelization can only happen hmm. if there is coercion of some form otherwise the internet is decentralized like for example no you see what's happened is that a majority of the internet is now and we discussed this in the future of the internet uh, podcast as well that it's largely being controlled by very large players for whom it's important for them to be able to play with governments in order to retain the power that they have and therefore there is no room left for for example there is uh, we're talking past each other actually it's a, it's, it's a different issue the point you're making as you made uh, in future no, no, so i'm saying that these that, that these larger players hmm. are more likely to self censor in in cartelization in order to in order to be in the good favors of the government yeah but no i'll tell you why we're talking past each other because uh, uh, i uh, the, the point you're making is the one you made on the future of the internet episode and i agree that these uh, larger players like facebook and youtube are almost like monopolies because of the market power they have and network effects kicking in but what i was addressing was what you were saying about the danger of uh, and i agree with the danger i don't think I, you know i think self regulation is sort of pointless the market regulates the best and i'll expand upon that if you want or so 
civil society regulates the best but uh, for example the fear that you were expressing if i understood it correctly is that a bunch of media houses will come together and decide to self regulate and have a body that sets certain standards for them and uh, therefore uh, uh, we are in trouble yeah. now my point is that uh, anybody who voluntarily joins such a body has the intent to censor themselves anyway so therefore it doesn't really not matter it's moot whether they formalize it, could, it or not it could be competitive in nature if you're the one that doesn't do it then there is a fear that there will be a regulatory backlash against you right and so you know so i'm just saying that the way because all of these guys interact because they work together i don't think competitive forces are strong enough right now to allow for an outlier for someone who's going to go against the yeah, game yeah but look here's the thing if a times of india and the hindustan times and uh, uh, indian express come together and say we and will they to split the market uh, between no, themselves no 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 they say that we'll self regulate i'm just talking about regulation here if they say that we will self regulate and we'll form a body and these are the standards we'll apply to the hindu can say no without any consequence uh i'm not sure whether that's going to happen on the internet which are the players you are referring to uh, who will uh, form a self regulation no there's already a committee uh, at the internet and mobile association of india mm. that is debating these issues there is at this point in time no clear you know agreement because there are some players and this is like information that i have from talking to sources mm. there are some players who want a self regulatory code who've already created one and there are others who want to work with them on that and there are others who oppose that idea So yes there is currently no consensus but with this government pressure coming in in order to ensure that there isn't overreaching government regulation they are all seeing self regulation as a way out saying what do you feel about this so i think they're being forced into self regulation right but if you were in like for example yesterday one of our fellow panelists uh, said that uh, because government regulation is going to happen anyway yeah. we should self regulate as a preemptive measure that's, that's so that's exactly the point right which is a practical point they're making but i don't agree with it do you so uh, i think there needs to be a pushback against self regulation uh, because of a number of issues number one is that it creates uh, a distinction between Uh, the internet that we get access to in india versus what we get access to across the globe so uh, our exposure to perhaps content uh, from across the globe might be impacted uh, by people who do not conform to these guidelines and secondly what's happen what would happen is that there would be content that we want to consume here that is legal for us to consume over here but because of overarching guidelines i mean you've had instances of innocuous words like breasts being censored on tv and in films chicken breasts uh, chicken breasts right so i mean you would you would you want uh, netflix and amazon etc to do, start doing that think of people who want to watch game of thrones on hotstar you remove the nudity from hot, from that so either you blur it out or you cut those scenes and when you cut those scenes then you lose the context of what's going on so i mean there's an old question about what is art and what is obscenity in that sense right and so uh, i think we would be worse off in terms of getting access to the kind of content which is legal that we should be allowed to watch because of a nanny state secondly um, what would they do about those players who choose not to become a part of this uh, self censorship regime would they be blocked in india right so the internet was meant to create that competitive marketplace where if there are consumers who want access to that content 
everyone will have to evolve to being to providing them that kind of content here it's going to happen in the reverse that it's going to get blocked if it's not a part of that the third point is that it actually then takes us down the road of enabling government regulation so you have self regulatory mechanisms uh, in for example the news broadcasters association where channels who do shows on snakes sling human babies and shit like that uh, don't necessarily like uh, they're not a part of this news broadcasters association so they're not governed by it and so then uh, for those who choose not to be governed by this will that then lead to the government saying oh the self regulatory mechanism is uh, not valid it's not working but we understand that you want there to be regulation because you already have a code now let us put our own code together and then we effectively open the doors for regulation through self regulation so instead if what we need to do here is push back on principles so number 1 is that there is no distinction between news and non news content frankly right and news is not the exclusive prerogative of journalists anyone on the internet can disseminate can report news anyone can have an opinion that's the freedom that we have on the internet which we don't have in print uh, or on tv in the sense there's also there is no distinction between a journalist and a non journalist between a journalist and an entertainer uh, between uh, a stand up comedian and a news anchor these are all distinctions which have been made irrelevant which were there were roles and positions that were created through the implementation of control over who gets to communicate i don't need an accreditation to launch uh, a news site uh, a stand up comedian doesn't need a license to go and showcase his short film right and i think that's the beauty of the internet we don't want to lose that nature that it's it's not you know there's a distinction that's being made between professional content and user generated content on the internet all users are both creators and consumers everything is user generated content so therefore I, the, when you start slicing it up into pieces that's when it falls apart in fact so you know after yesterday's discussion uh, two tactical points came to mind and i agree 100% with you and very strongly um which is might be a bit of a repetition but one tactical point is a reason that preempting government regulation with self regulation i think is a self goal is because then you are tacitly agreeing that this needs regulation exactly. it's much better to take a stand on principle that no this doesn't need regulation and there will be no regulation once you agree that some regulation is required but you say we will do it ourselves then inevitably the government will step in and find faults and say look you are not being able to do this because of xyz but you have already agreed regulation is required so let us do it it's much better to fight on first principles and say that no regulation is not required we will regulate you not the other way around and the second point is that i think uh, you know this is famous poem by pastor naimola that uh, you know first they came for the yeah. jews then they came for blabla blah, and by the time they came for me no one was left to fight for me i think whether they intend to or not they might be achieving a similar effect here when they have all these categories of news and entertainment and you know uh, one of the questions that you asked yesterday uh, the cunning uh, devil's advocate questions was uh, that what if uh, they'd come and tell the big players that don't worry we won't touch you we'll go after the small fake news guys first and the thing is this is very cunning because this is going to 
end in an Imola kind of way where first they came for the small fake news guys, then they came for the entertainment, and when they came for the news, nobody was left to fight for us. And instead of this, we all have to band together and say, forget the categories, forget the ideologies, forget what you, everything you believe in, just fight on this one principle if you agree with it, that no regulation. So going back to news, I think one of the things that we've seen in common between the two regimes with both Trump and the NDA regime here is that there's been a distinct focus on discrediting news organizations. And that's actually a part of the process of, you know, gaining greater, greater control because if people don't know what the truth is and right. they think that, and they, like I think someone is mentioning that in, in, in case of Reddit, the organization is discredited, not, and no one judges the the content on the basis of the legitimacy of the content. So the source is actually delegitimized. And so I think we are still facing this problem as a country, as a democracy, where news itself has been delegitimized. Many news organizations have helped do that uh, because of the kind of entertainment that they have run uh, on their channels. And so there is also this counterpoint that, you know, perhaps there needs to be a better control because that also has an effect on society. So let me, let me, uh, let me play devil's advocate now. And I was just doing that. You were just doing that. Okay, yeah. no, I will continue playing devil's advocate and I will throw it back at you. So I'm putting you in the spot and instead uh-huh. of the other way around. You referred to the 2008 broadcast code where, uh, you know, during the terrorist attacks, uh, TV channels made these obvious mistakes which impacted natural, national security where they were mm. showing what was going on and the terrorists sitting in Pakistan were getting that information. Mm. And uh, the government stepped in and said look this is clearly wrong you need a broadcast code blah blah everything very reasonable Hmm. and uh, the point that you made yesterday again was that what has happened with Cambridge Analytica is an analog of that moment for the online space and therefore the argument would come from the state that therefore government regulation is required Hmm. and the earlier answer you gave which is that there is already enough regulation in the form of 295A and all is a kind of a cop out because uh, we are against that regulation also. No, look, the, here's so, the thing that you will have, there's always room for more regulation. Right. Uh, but there uh, doesn't seem to be any room for building capacity to enforce existing regulations. But that's also moot, right? My, my uh, no, question no, so, is a philosophical one. So the problem really is that uh, the way regulations typically work is that their implementation is arbitrary. It will be used in specific instances, but many people who violate those same rules will be let go. Well, nothing is going to happen to them. Yeah, but but that, that's a utilitarian argument. Give me the philosophical argument. Why it, should there be no regulation when things like this happen? I haven't quite figured this out yet, actually. I've been thinking about this for a while. Uh, for me, uh, at, at one level, I do believe there's a need for regulation of large platforms because of the disproportionate ability they have to control narratives and speech and access to speech. And we need neutrality in the access to speech for people to get the right kind of information in order to make better decisions. And if someone is controlling that access to speech, then they're controlling the way that they're thinking. Right. So at some level, I think we need to enforce neutrality amongst these organizations and also I do believe that we need to prevent mass targeting and mass personalization and behavioral targeting of citizens. And business models of advertising need to change uh, because it is the blind nature of advertising that is taking us down this path where people are able to make money 
बाय फैसिलिटेटिंग और स्प्रेडिंग फेक न्यूज बिकॉज देर इज नो नो डिस्टिंगशन बिटवीन रियल एंड फेक वेन इट कम्स टू दर्टाइजिंग बिजनेस No one knows whether ad is being done. But is your point then is that uh, regulation so, is required? No, so I'm saying that there are there are a large number of things that have happened collectively for this to become possible. So if you prevent the collection of mass uh, and and very granular personal and behavioral data, that is going to address micro targeting to quite an extent. Uh, if you ensure that people have choice about deleting their own history. and therefore not feeding algorithms or keeping the algorithms or allowing the algorithms to profile them to too great an extent then again you will be able to prevent uh, personalization and at that level of scale where there are filter bubbles that are created so to each of these issues there are solutions so for example if you see facebook actually deals with hate speech a lot better than twitter does right so from a self regulation perspective i think it is up to organizations to change the way they work uh in order to ensure that there is no need for government regulation and unfortunately many of these organizations including facebook have failed they've they rode their luck for too long so are you arguing there is a need for government regulation i think we've reached a point where it's difficult to argue against regulation as much as we don't want it and i think it's unfortunate that we've reached this point but, but are you for it or against it do you think it's necessary so principally i'm against regulation but practically i think uh, we've reached a stage where it is necessary no no it's where is necessary or inevitable necessary and inevitable okay i so, so that's why this is a very difficult question for hmm. me to answer because principally i'm opposed to that idea i'll i'll disagree and i'll try to explain why uh, i i hope i can manage and and then i'll bring up what is difficult for me to answer uh my disagreement comes from uh saying that number one uh, that what happened in 2008 can just be handled by uh, because it's a national security issue and it can be handled by laws that per- pertain to that you don't specifically need to regulate the media of free speech for an instance like that Agreed. but apart from that the point i sort of made yesterday was that people often assume that when you talk about regulation there are only two options which are government regulation or self regulation to me the best kind of regulation the natural regulation which leads to self regulation but is an overarching thing is competition that uh, you know it is a ma- and i'll clarify on that when you talk about uh, seeming monopolies like facebook competition is the best regulation because um, you know markets sometimes have a bad name so you can call it market so you can call it civil society because markets are nothing more than a web of voluntary actions of people in civil society citizens like us and i think you see this playing out in the sense that after the outrage over cambridge analytica facebook has actually made efforts to do something about it that at various times various uh, platforms have been responsive to uh, what consumers want and i think as somebody made the point on the panel yesterday part of the reason they do so is because adver advertisers are leaving but advertisers are uh, uh, leaving because users are pissed off and and therefore it comes back to civil society i think i'm not uh, so sure i don't quite agree with this what I, is this? i think there are I, i think even in terms of the responses which zuckerberg gave i don't think facebook is entirely being genuine if they are not uh, and, and, and i and I, th- i think there's ample proof for example in terms of the fact that they moved Uh, users out of Ireland in, in with changes to the terms and conditions a, in order to evade strong privacy regulations that are coming under the GDPR sure, in the EU. 
So I think Facebook. We need to judge Facebook by their actions, and I don't sure, think we've seen seen enough. Little here's the thing. My point is not that all private players are virtuous. Of course, private players aren't virtuous and not responsive. But the point is that do do people have options? Now your point is that if you want to go to a social networking platform, Facebook is like a monopoly. It's too big. My point is that Facebook is not competing with other social network platforms. They're competing with everything a person can do with their time, and many people have left Facebook because they're appalled by what happened. happened during the cambridge analytica thing so they are choosing other options and that is a reaction of the market and ultimately that is the only regulation which will work because it's the only regulation which is non coercive so look facebook's earned its monopoly just as google's earned its monopoly just as amazon has earned its monopoly and by serving so customers well but when they by serving customers to do that no, i don't uh, think it's just will. i think it's not just serving customers well but it's also by building great products with large amounts of data collection observing smaller potential competitors buying those competitors um and so what's happening is that they are very very quickly encroaching on each other's territory and therefore like the point that i had made in the in the last podcast was about the same thing that they, we are there's a battle between elephants going on and democracy is getting crushed in the process uh, no no democracy is getting crushed and that's a problem for which uh, neither you or i have immediate answers but i think government regulation is a wrong one but i think you're missing uh, sort of the, the point i was trying to make is that facebook though i agreed with you when we spoke about the future of the internet but in thinking a little deeper about it facebook is not a monopoly because they might dominate social networking but to me facebook is competing with many other players in how we spend our time and people might even decide like i have that social networks are a waste of time there are privacy risks get out of them and therefore they are in a very competitive marketplace because everyone is competing for your time right. so you know this is a classic uh, problem when you're looking at antitrust which is definition of the market and so you and i may have different definitions of the market in the same way that you could say that do you would you say that let's say if there is a single telecom operator in a market uh it is effectively not a monopoly because it is also communicating with vo- direct verbal communications or it's competing with telegraph and mail for communication so look definition of a market i i don't quite buy that argument of defining the market because then it's kind of different can, because there's a no, function there no, yeah. i'm saying that that can be so, so social networking right and so spending your time if you're you can always define markets differently to suit different needs and it's a valid thing to do but regulators have to look at it from the perspective of how is this impacting a particular market so for example and and also regulate for harms so let's take let's take whatsapp for example right it was determined by the competition commission of india that whatsapp has uh, a dominance in the indian market when it comes to messaging they did not compare it with sms because they deemed that rich text messaging which whatsapp is is different from what regular text messaging is but it also determined that whatsapp had not abused its position of power right now i think it's very clear that uh, we are running the risk of many of these large platforms abusing their position of power and like i said then we cannot as as a nation we cannot depend on the benevolence of these platforms to maintain uh, our so uh, okay, okay so let me let me and so well states are constitutionally held to account or supposedly held to account uh, there is no accountability framework in place here for platforms 
or for and especially from on these platforms when it comes to their control over free speech because the medium of speech is just as important uh for the transmission of free speech as a message and so therefore we need an accountability framework for so platforms so here's the thing here's here's the thing when we talk of the mistakes we made around benevolence or when we assume that all government intervention will be uh, somehow benevolent i, I don't think so sure, and, but and this is why this is where i'm conflicted right yeah. i understand the need for certain kind of an accountability framework to be put into place for platforms but i also i'm afraid of government intervention yeah. so uh, let me let me let me kind of make my point why i say that no matter what the problem is government regulation is always a wrong answer because in this case what it would do is government is not uh, you know a benevolent uh, beast that sits upon us and will act in our best interest government ultimately is a parcel of interest groups and what happens when you give government power when you give it the power to regulate something is that where there is already a power imbalance you are further empowering this specific set of interest groups whether they be political or commercial or whatever against others and accountability in practice simply isn't there right now and and government failure is ubiquitous market failure is relatively rare if if it is there at all and uh, i would just say that all regulation that happens has to has to be non coercive and has to come from civil society if companies break the law sure prosecute them that's the job of the state but if they don't break the law if you don't if it's a question of preferences that i prefer this algorithm to that algorithm there shouldn't be coercive pressure it should be the voluntary actions of people which indicate what happened and we can obviously disagree about how you define uh, markets and monopolies and I don't think either of us have a solution to the problem that we've sort of been uh, lamenting over this period of time but well, the thing well, is I'm reminded of, of one solution I'm reminded of one solution uh, which is regulating for harms uh, which is and for which there all laws already exist so if you can define certain harms uh, and define the laws under which those are governed um and ensure that platforms uh, so for example if it's hate speech if it's death threats if it's uh intimidation if it's incitement to violence even if it's criminal defamation which i principally disagree with there are laws for that and i think it's just about then holding platforms to account for it yeah exactly i mean we have and existing laws which deal with a lot of those things like, many of those, those laws we don't agree with but, but those but those are that's a way of regulating for harm so it is still regulation no, no. of these platforms uh, but it's not going beyond what already exists no 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 uh, see uh, nikhil when i talk about regulation i mean it is distinct from the rule of law it's understood that the state's job is to maintain the rule of law hmm. if the company breaks a law in any way then obviously the state does its job but if it's going to sort of regulate and give licenses or say right no you have to bleep out the word breasts is not allowed yeah. then that doesn't break any law and that kind of regulation is what i'm against and so that's i'm not saying there should be a free for all where everybody does everything we agree on the rule of law again i think that a lot of the laws that uh, regulate free speech simply should not exist and i know you agree with me on this but uh, Uh, so the question is not about the rule of law we need a state which has the capacity to maintain the rule of law as strongly and firmly as possible we don't need regulation beyond that which i think is what you're saying yeah i don't think we need uh, regulation beyond that i also don't think we need to look at the internet as distinct from uh, from what we already exactly, have I agree. but i think one argument which also keeps coming up is and from the traditional players is the the need for regulatory parity between offline and online yeah. in which case what we have and the problem that we are facing here is that the traditional media is heavily regulated it is over regulated so their argument is you need to so there are two ways of doing it either you reduce the restrictions on traditional media 
और जो इंक्रीज रिस्ट्रिक्शन ऑन द इंटरनेट फॉर दैट रेगुलेटरी पार्टी बिकॉज आई डोंट ऑल्सो अग्री विद दिस नोशन दैट यू यूर इफेक्टिवली एडवांटेजिंग द इंटरनेट versus traditional media this is there's an analog of this argument and i think in my episode on uber it had come up hmm. that the black and yellows argued that uh, the black and yellows on the auto rickshaws will argue that we've been so heavily regulated for so long uh, that uh, why let uber and ola run free to which my argument would be remove those regulations exactly and, and so by the, way, the same, same the same argument that also came up during net neutrality so in fact there's a playbook that that the traditional players tend to follow the interesting thing here is that i was at a tra open house on uplinking and downlinking of tv channels about 3 odd weeks ago and there both z and star argued for deregulation saying that we shouldn't be treated as broadcasters we are content aggregators and we need to have the same freedom as online players do we need to have the same freedoms on on traditional media platforms and uh, the other thing that came in was interesting was that all of these codes and uh, like uplinking and downlinking are permissions they're not licenses apparently uh, and this was brought in um, because the government did not know how to tax uh, foreign channels that were being uh, downlinked in india so uh, what was brought in as a means of getting revenue and uh, and effectively a tax collection also lent itself to being a means of controlling whether the channel goes live or not and we know that there are for example um, i mean this is uh, generally talked about in the media circles is how raghav behels quint and bloomberg quint their licenses have been stuck for quite a while in this is uh, again a point about you know they started regulating television from 2008 and look at the result republic puts out whatever nonsense they feel like and uh, bloomberg quint is not allowed a license to broadcast exactly. don't give government that power let everyone broadcast and then if someone breaks the law you punish them otherwise let viewers decide which they have a right to do so i wrote about this during the netutality debate how do you start a billion tv channels on the internet because there are no restrictions right and that's i think what we need to also preserve the ability for all of I us to create i think someone in the ministry read that and said hey look what this guy is saying he's <laughs> right we need to do something nikhil this is all your fault uh listen i know you need to catch a flight and therefore we have a hard stop uh, coming up so we'll end this podcast here i think we've uh, both uh, had a very enjoyable uh, ramble during this session and, and a long one at that and a long one and it's it's no i i i have to say it's always great fun talking to you because uh, you're challenging me to think in new ways giving me new information and it's Likewise, a pleasure and i think this is uh hopefully an ongoing uh, sort of uh, process uh and uh, thanks a lot for coming on the show uh, thanks for having me on the show i don't think we'll run out of things to talk about given how active uh, governments have been on the internet uh, you know this is the digital india age in a sense that's its beginning Uh, so unfortunately we'll have a lot of things to talk about <laughs> shub shub bolo i hope we never need to meet again but continue <laughs> doing so for up uh, own pleasure if you enjoyed listening to this episode i've done a couple of episodes with nikhil in recent weeks one on aadhar and one on the future of the internet which we referred to a lot during this discussion you can check them out and all the archives of the scene and the unseen at sceneunseen.in you can follow nikhil on twitter at nixxin and you can follow me at amit verma uh, a m i t v a r m a thank you for listening If you enjoyed listening to the scene and the unseen check out another show by IVM podcast simplified 
which is hosted by my good friends Naren, Chuck and Shriket. You can download it on any podcasting network. He bends down to test the warm water for his bath. He comes here to quench his thirst for a hot shower and some podcasts. You can witness how he enjoys having other people talk about cool stuff in his bathroom. Indeed, it helps him with his loneliness. You can find more of his species on ivmpodcast.com. Your one-stop destination where you can check out the coolest Indian podcasts. Happy listening.